This is Keep It Spicy. Hi, everyone. Hope you're having a great week. I'm here with my fantabulous co-host, Shoba. Hello, hello, everybody. Hope you're having a lovely weekend. I'm here with my girl, Vita. And today, we also have a very special guest with us. Her name is Amanda Armstrong. Amanda is a social entrepreneur. She's a career coach. She's a sales consultant. And she's a motivational speaker. She's widely passionate about social entrepreneurship, which is basically using business and entrepreneurship as a force for good, and also for coaching women and young people to dream big, you know, overcome imposter syndrome, and of course, turn their passion into successful purpose-driven careers. Amanda is also the founder of Athari Coaching. So just a little backstory, she's a graduate from the Richard Ivey School of Business at Western University. She graduated back in 2010 with an honors in business administration and the field of study was in entrepreneurship. Amanda spent 10 years building a successful career filled with passion, purpose, and eventually financial freedom working in non profit, international development, social entrepreneurship, and the tech startup scene. So she's quite a superwoman, y'all. In fact, recently, she was the top sales rep at a fast-growing ed tech startup in early childhood education. And Amanda has worked with thousands of youth, women, nonprofit organizations, social enterprises, and small businesses in a variety of locations, including North America, the Caribbean, the Sub-Saharan Africa, Canada, the United States, Guyana, Trinidad, Jamaica, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, and Ghana. So she's been all over, guys. And in 2018, she launched her first business, Athari, meaning impact in Kiswahili. For those of you who don't know, Kiswahili is the national language of Kenya. So Athari is a social enterprise that coaches women to communicate with confidence, you know, land their dream jobs and dream clients, and overall just build a successful career. Athari provides job search and career coaching, uh, sales and small business coaching, and consulting, personal and professional development workshops and events, motivational speaking, and just basically also an online community of purpose-driven women um, who are committed to making a positive impact in the world. And as a social enterprise, Athari uses um, a for-profit sustainable business model to increase access to education in the form of student scholarships for talented youth in Kenya. Now that is what you call a boss guys. So Shiva, can you tell us where you met this amazing woman? So Amanda and I met in 2019 because we were both working at the same tech startup. So as mentioned, she was one of the top sales rep bringing in over $290,000 in annual recurring revenue in 2019 alone. Amanda was, as still is, always a great motivator. She's always very encouraging and above all, like very generous and sharing with her knowledge. So Amanda really loves helping. Personally, she would always encourage me to sit in on her demonstrations, which I would. And aside from all of this, Amanda is an avid soccer player and snowboarder. So again, thank you for joining us on today's episode, Amanda. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for that long introduction. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited. So thank you. Yes, welcome aboard. And we just kind of wanted to start by asking how your summer was and if you did anything exciting recently. Cool. My summer was fantastic. I... I'm the type of person that works a lot. I, I'm, you know, hardworking, driven, ambitious. I, my mom used to say I burn the candle at both ends. So my schedule's sort of packed and rammed and always got a million things on the go. However, I, my birthday's in August. And so I took most of the month of August off to really like spend time outside in parks and beaches with friends and family. I, uh, you know, spent spent a lot of quality time with people in my life and tried to really shut off laptops and my cell phone and social media. I'm a really big believer that, uh, you know, we need balance and self-care and a break to be our best selves, both personally and professionally. So 
while I do spend the majority of my life and my year hustling and working and, you know, burning the candle at both ends, I also practice a lot of self-care and uh, time off as well. So that's how I spent my August and my summer. Oh, I love that. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, transitioning to the gist of our episode, our goal today is to get some insight on your thoughts regarding women in career and some general tips about interview etiquette. So let's jump to it. Our first question for you is, what are some important social problems women face in careers and how can women combat these social issues? Okay, so I think there's two issues that I will focus on. So the first, I think, is more of the systemic issues and the issues that stem from the past historically culture. So when we think of women in careers, I mean, historically, women did not have careers. And so this is something that, you know, career development and women's career development, you know, we still face these systemic issues of gender discrimination, uh, being underpaid from our male peers and counterparts, and uh, those systemic issues in the workplace that we face. Personally, for me, I think it was around 80% or more of the organizations that I worked for in my 10-year career were led by men, and most of those were white men. That sort of speaks for itself that we still have, you know, if you look at the research and statistically, women are still underpaid, women are still experiencing a tremendous amount of gender discrimination in the workplace and in the job search and in their careers. So I think that's one of the big components. And I think while we've made a lot of progress, that gender discrimination and those systemic issues and challenges are still there. And I have personally experienced this throughout my entire career. I have also personally experienced gender discrimination in uh, my with my most recent employer, the education technology startup. And uh, I'll I'll vulnerably share this early on because I think it's a really powerful message for every young woman. And uh, Shuba knows a little bit about this, but I actually went through a very difficult termination uh, a year ago when I was fired from this company. And uh, there is gender discrimination involved in my case and my situation. And I can take them to court and sue them for gender discrimination. Uh, I have chosen not to because I do not want to sign an NDA and I do want to speak up and share my story uh, to to be able to inspire other young women and to also educate young women on their rights and on gender discrimination and how to handle issues of gender discrimination in the workplace. But I will say that, you know, I was the top sales rep. I was bringing in $290,000 in 2019 alone. I was a passionate company champion. Shuba knows, you know, I poured my heart and soul, time and energy into that company. And, you know, sadly, gender discrimination still does exist. And I, I personally experienced that and it, it, it played a big role in my termination. And so this is something that we still deal with. And this is something where, you know, as women, we need to stand up for ourselves. We need to speak up for ourselves uh, and and we need to address these issues in the workplace. The second biggest issue I find, and this 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 is with every single woman I work with, is imposter syndrome. So for those that don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's basically that feeling of I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do this job. I don't have what it takes. I I don't know if if I have the education or the experience or the skills to do this. So it's really self-confidence, a lack of self-confidence. So one of the number one things that I experience with the young women that I work with and with, with women of all ages is they tend to undersell and undervalue and underprice themselves. So again, this all comes back to imposter syndrome and a lack of self-confidence and you know, again, this this also stems from history and our culture of as, as young women, we've been brought up to sort of be quiet, be polite, don't speak too loudly, don't be too bossy. I've been told a lot of times in my life, Amanda, you're bossy, don't be too bossy. And so we've been 
conditioned and told as young women to be quiet, be polite, be feminine, be, you know, don't speak too loudly. Don't, don't be aggressive. Don't be too loud. And so what that's, it's sort of like, you know, prevented us from speaking confidently and speaking up and, and challenging management or challenging our peers or engaging in debate and negotiation. So those are the two key issues I would say that we face today. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, thank you for elaborating on that. Like, I 100% agree with you on like both accounts. And it's so funny that you even mentioned that, like, we're conditioned into thinking that we're not good enough. Um, I remember when I first started hunting like after we both stopped working at the same startup when I started hunting for jobs I remember um, I was seeking advice from like a couple of like mentors that I have and this male mentor um, who is honestly great but I remember asking him like how much like should I negotiate first of all since I am still very young in my career and I remember him um, no shade he is honestly an awesome mentor but I remember him being like you know for the first couple of years with my career I never really negotiated he's like I don't think that's necessary since you're still like you're still young like give them a salary a little bit higher than what you were previously making before but he was like I don't think that um, it should be like a huge concern since you're still very early in the game and like with more experience and more time like it'll make sense for you to ask for more at the same time like I was uh, talking to these other two women mentors and they gave me the opposite response they were like whatever stage of your career wherever you are like you should always ask for what you're worth you should always go in asking for what you deserve and like you know like you should push for it if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but you should never think that like oh it's only like after a year or two or after like five years or you know when I'm 25 or whatever that you should start asking for more like you should always go in knowing your worth and asking for what you deserve so I, I agree with you there and a career has many difficult aspects and it's even more tough when you're a woman could you offer us some advice on you know women who are early in their career and lack experience and because of the experience they lack this confidence 100 percent so a couple of things in terms of like building self-confidence and tackling this imposter syndrome issue so one of the things i do with all of my clients is we do strength assessment tests so i meet a lot of women and they're not quite sure what they're good at they're not really they can't really communicate their skills and strengths in a confident way. So I have several strength assessment tests and I'm more than happy to share those and you can do them. And what that's gonna do is you're gonna see all these skills and all these strengths and all these things that you're good at and strong language that you can use. You can also turn to your current boss, an old boss, a friend of yours, a peer, a mentor, and you can say, hey, what are my three skills? What are my three greatest strengths? What are the three things I'm really good at? And the more you can practice talking about your skills and your strengths and writing them down in a journal or speaking them out loud to a friend, the more you'll be able to build confidence. I would also say for women that are early on in their career, you, you really want to try to avoid a mindset of, oh, I'm early on in my career, I don't have any work experience, and it's COVID-19, so there's no way I'm ever going to be able to find a job, and like I don't really have that many skills, I'm not really that good at anything. That That's not the type of mindset you want to have. Instead, you want to focus on a mindset of, I'm young, I'm an amazing um, I'm an amazing individual with a lot of skills and a lot of great experiences to offer experiences from sport team sports teams, volunteer activities, school projects, maybe from you know from church or or other things you're involved in on a religious level. Uh, it could be like a little you started up a book club with your best friend or you started a podcast with your best friend. Those are all valuable experiences. So when you're early on in your career, try to focus on the experiences you've had in your life. It could be a backpacking trip you took by yourself. It could be a, a little entrepreneurial side hustle you started. Maybe you just really like to bake and you started baking for the elderly. Whatever it is, try to focus on what what experience you do have and less about the experience that you don't have. 
So that's what I would talk about. And with anything, you want to focus on the value that you have to bring to the table. So again, what are my skills? What are my strengths? What am I really good at? What would my coworkers say I'm really good at? What, what, what made me different from my peers? What made me successful in that volunteer role I just did? What made me successful with that school project I just worked on? So try to focus on those things and uh, the value that you have to bring to the table. The other thing I want to say is when you're early on in your career and you feel like, okay, this job description is asking me to have two years of work experience in research. I don't have formal work experience in research. No problem. That's okay. Not everyone is going to check every single box on that job description anyway. So instead, focus on your passion for getting into research, your your ability to be a quick learner and to pick things up quickly, your ability to go above and beyond and to work really hard to make up for the lack of experience you have. So that's also what you want to focus on is even if you don't have that two years of experience or that master's degree that they've asked for, it doesn't matter. Passion, hard work, communication skills, empathy, leadership, teamwork, those things are way more valuable often than like just having, okay, two years of experience checked off. So that's what I would share about women early on in their career. For sure. oh, I love that. Yeah. I really liked how you, you know, like said that we should have like a positive mindset. You know, I also believe that if you have a positive mindset, you can manifest that and like become successful. So and you talked about like reflecting on like your positive qualities and like what you are really good. So yeah, I think that's um, great advice. Thank you for that. Um, and you know, just transitioning from that women like you, you know, you manage multiple streams of incomes, you have many side hustles and you also had so much experience. Um, so could you give some insight on how to manage different components of your life in terms of career? Yeah. So again, I was, the type of person early on in my career in high school and university and and, and you know early on in my career I was the type of person that packed my schedule with networking events and coffee chats and volunteering and travel and work and side hustles that was my personality now not everyone is like that and you absolutely do not need to be that type of person to be successful. However, I do think early on in your career, that is your time where you want to go above and beyond. You want to give it 110%, whether it's a volunteer opportunity, a part-time job, an entry-level role, give it 110% if you want to be successful. I mean, income hustle culture. Again, I was the type of person where I tried to pack everything into my schedule, but I also like to leave now that I have a, a healthier and a more balanced lifestyle. I also like to schedule time off for myself. Sundays are like my one day where like I don't work. You know, I really try to unplug and take Sundays off. Managing different multiple streams of income and hustle culture. Again, I think early on in your career, give everything 110%. Work really hard hustle because that's that is really important if you do want to be successful and if you are ambitious and you do uh, want to achieve your career goals in advance I do think that is important having said that the balance is also really important self-care sleep yoga working out uh, meditation, spending time with friends and family, those things are also important. Yes, we do need to, as much as we should work hard and give 110% in our work, our career, our like relationships, our volunteering or whatever, we also have to give ourselves 110% of like rest time, if that makes sense, like to balance it all out. Speaking of like, you know, the job hunt and all of that, what advice do you have for unemployed women who are looking for a job amidst the pandemic, as well as women who are already employed right now, but they're finding their current work like kind of stagnant. They're like, I want to move up in my career right now, but because of the uncertainty, like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, I feel a little stuck. So, yeah. Okay. So first of all, with unemployed women. So let's say you're unemployed and you're, you know, job searching full time. Treat the job search like a full time job. So first of all, the very first thing you want to do is identify what you want. Now, when you're early on in your career, 
you're not really sure what you want. You don't really know exactly. That's totally normal. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do 10 years ago either. But you should have clarity on some of the things that are important to you. Your passions, your interests, uh, whether or not you're interested in working in, let's say, government, nonprofit, for profit, uh, you know, some of the interests you have. Are you interested in, let's say, like tech and innovation and research, or are you interested in health and the whole public health, mental health space, youth, you know, international development, nonprofit work, social enterprise? Are you interested in marketing? Are you interested in uh, sales roles? Like, you, you want to identify at least some of the key things that you are passionate about and some of your key interests. And the more strategic and the more clear you can be about that, the better. So a couple other things you can include is like location. Like what is your dream city that you want to live in and that you want to work in? And what are some of the dream organizations? You know, like some people are like, I really want to work at Shopify. I really want to work for uh, Google or Facebook, or maybe it's a nonprofit organization. I really want to work for the Red Cross. So if you can be as strategic and as specific as possible and really come up with like a goal and an end destination. And that's something that I work on with my clients and, and we come up with a very strategic goal. And then you want to go after that goal and you want to treat your job search like a full time job. So when you're unemployed, you really lack structure and accountability. So you want to look at your week and you want to look at Monday to Sunday and you want to say, well, what is my ideal? What does my ideal week look like? And you want to schedule your week, plug in, you know, yoga and workouts and health and fitness, going for a walk, going for a bike ride. You also want to plug in time with friends and families. You want to chunk off time, work on my resume, work on my cover letter, work on my LinkedIn. I'm going to spend two hours every Monday going through several job sites and picking out the three jobs that I'm going to apply for this week. So you you do really want to have some structure and within your your week, you want to make sure you have the self-care stuff booked in, reading, listening to a podcast. You want to network and set up chats with other professionals in your areas of interest. You want to attend online events. So the way that I approach the job search, it's very holistic. And so it's not just sitting behind a computer applying to jobs all day. No. Now, for the people who are employed and are finding their work stagnant and you want to move up in your career but don't know how, I mean, in both of these situations, working with a career coach is one of the best things you could do. Hire a career coach. Invest in yourself. If you're passionate about career development, if you're serious about achieving your greatest potential, making more money, achieving financial freedom, paying off debt, et cetera, and finding a job that you're wildly passionate about, hire a career coach. That's what I'm here to do. That's what we do for a living. And uh, investing in yourself is one of the best things that you can do. Hiring a professional is one of the best things that you can do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, giving us advice on like the technical career side of problems, especially, you know, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are employed or are facing, you know, stagnancy in their workforce. So thank you so much for that. Um, and just stemming off of that, apart from technical problems, there's also a lot of like behavioral bias towards women in career. For example, if a male boss is strict, he's called ambitious versus if a woman boss is strict, you know, she's called a B word. And that societal bias really attacks our confidence in a work setting. So what are your thoughts and advice on that? And how does a young woman build up confidence to tell herself and show others that she's being persistent and ambitious versus annoying? This is great because I feel this, this is like something I personally can relate to tremendously because I wasn't like this 10 years ago, but now I'm the type of woman. I am very bold. I'm very outspoken. I have no problem talking about controversial topics. I am I'm confident. I can debate with men. I can challenge men. I can negotiate with men. And uh, if I think that something is unethical, unjust, wrong, dishonest, a lack of integrity, I will speak up and, and make sure that management knows that this is not okay. And Shuba knows this because I spoke up constantly at the tech startup we worked at together. And 
I'll give a little story and then I'll tell you how I, how I would, what I would recommend to other women. So Shuba and I worked at a tech company. We had probably about 50 people on our sales team, uh, probably a mix of 50% women, 50% men. There were four of us that became two of us at the top of the sales team. It was myself and it was three white men. Okay. So three white men were top sales reps. Eventually I joined them. And it was funny because when when we went into sales meetings, I don't know if you noticed this, Shuba, but when we, we would have meetings with our entire sales team and there were, again, probably 50 sales reps and management would lead a meeting. They'd be talking about uh, pricing changes. We're changing the pricing of our product. And now as sales reps, we need to know the new pricing so we could properly sell and negotiate and close these deals. And I remember we'd be in an entire room full of 50 sales reps and they would present this new big changes in the company. And basically everyone in the room would just be silent, silent, no questions, no comments, nothing. No one would speak up because this room was filled with young people, young 20 year olds, their first job out of university, a lot of young women and uh, a lot of young women that were early childhood educators. And I was the I was pretty much the only woman and the only sales rep that spoke up a lot. Now, I felt this way that like the guys were like, oh, they're really good at what they do. And they're, yeah, they're ambitious and they're successful. Whereas people might have th thought that Amanda's bossy or Amanda's like, yeah, maybe the B word or she's too strong or she's too confident or, you know, whatever the case was. And so I do find that this is a challenge and I've been called bossy many times where I feel like if a male did what I did, he would never be called bossy. What I will say is like, I am so proud to be confident and outspoken and to challenge them when I think that, you know, they're being dishonest with customers and they're being dishonest with daycare owners. Like, you know, I'm at that level in my career and my life where I will stand up for myself. I will stand up for my values. I will stand up for what I believe in. I don't care what people call me anymore, <laughs> you know? So I think that we need to find workplaces with leaders that encourage us to speak up, that support us, that encourage us to challenge them and that um, support us instead of like bringing us down. You know, my only advice around this is like, be that bossy woman, be that bold woman, make those big statements, you know, regardless of what other people are saying about you. I mean, one of the reasons I became the top sales rep at that company, and one of the reasons I achieved such tremendous success in my life and my career in that at that company was because I was strong, I was confident, I knew how to negotiate. I knew how to challenge and debate management. Those things led me to be successful in that role. I would only encourage women to be strong and confident and uh, to speak up. Thank you. Thank you for opening up to us and, you know, really telling, uh, hearing that like someone as successful as you has gone through that really gives us hope, you know, as young women just entering the career field, we really like are nervous to speak out our thoughts and act on what we believe in. So just um, thank you for the words of encouragement. And I feel like this is also very helpful to young women out there who are fresh out of university or also early in their 20s, just trying to figure out everything and navigate their careers. We also want to ask you about the actual interviewing process. And since it's also fall season, it's perfect because interviews are just happening everywhere, whether it's in college university settings, graduate programs, or new hires with various jobs. Yeah. And Amanda also does have quite some success in that department, like this year with her Athari graduates and community members. Your business just turned two and you've had 54 clients sign up for the career coaching program, which is awesome. Uh, the sales and success coaching program in particular, you've successfully landed eight clients out of which six were first time female entrepreneurs and two B2B, that's business to business for those of you who don't know, clients. Um, like one was nonprofit, one was social enterprise client, and 22 Athari members also landed jobs in the middle of the pandemic, which is Ooh. super, super amazing. And it it's like a ray of hope in this <laughs> <Yeah>. darkness. <laughs> and of course, out of that, you know, you had some of those 
uh, clients also land multiple offers each. So yeah, so again, we thought that you are the perfect person to help us figure out how to nail the actual interviewing process. So so before the actual interview, what kind of research do you think one should do about the company? Like, how can you practice building yeah. that confidence of like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so nervous to talk to like this male CEO as part of the, you know, first or second round of interviews. Like, again, should you seek advice from someone? If so, who? So could you, yeah, could you just elaborate on that? Like the whole before the interview process? Yeah, definitely. And one thing I wanted to add to the previous question that I forgot to mention, when we talk about speaking up and uh, in the workplace and being strong and being confident, I also want to add professionalism, the language you use, the words you use, how you say it, how you deliver it, the order of what you say, all of that does matter. So this is actually where you would you would want to hire a career coach or work with a mentor and you can you can even write out a script. So before you go into a meeting with your boss or before you bring up, you know, let's say you've experienced gender discrimination or or you feel uncomfortable in the workplace because of some type of harassment, that's actually a good opportunity for you to write a script and either work with a career coach or a mentor to review it so that when you are speaking up as a woman in the workplace, you want to ensure that you're professional, that you are presenting your best self, right? Practice empathy and integrity. Um, so that's another thing I just want to say is, is when you're early on in your career and you do want to be bold and stand up for yourself, work with a coach or a mentor. Um, interviews, what kind of research? So again, if you want to be successful, if you really, really, really want this job, you, you've got to remember that there's hundreds of applicants and they're likely interviewing a dozen or a couple dozen people. Now, when we talk about research and preparation, if you want to get the job and if you want to be number one, you've got to go above and beyond everyone else. And you've, you've got to really, you know, give it 110%. So the research and prep that I would do, the job description, you want to know the job description like the back of your hand. You want to go to the company website. You want to look at every single page of that company website. Take notes, write down things, prepare for your interview, know that website and what the company does like the back of your hand. You also want to find out who exactly is interviewing you. Is it one person? Is it a panel? Go to each of their LinkedIn profiles, read through their bios, figure out where did they go to school? Where have they worked? Write down some talking points so you can build rapport. Oh my gosh, she also went to Western University. I went to Western University. Amazing. I'm going to talk about that in the interview. Okay, so find it, find some things you have in common, some talking points. Maybe you just want to compliment them. I see you did your MBA at Harvard Business School. That's really cool. Congratulations. Okay. Uh, the other thing you want to do is then prepare your answers. So research, you can uh, you can come up with questions they're going to ask. You can research interview questions online, and then you can prepare your answers. Some other type of research you can do is on their social media. So check out their Instagram, their Facebook, their LinkedIn. What are they posting? What are what campaigns are they working on? What are what are they currently promoting? So basically, you just want to research as much as you possibly can about that specific organization and that company. One other thing I'll say is if you want to go above and beyond, which you 100% should be doing, is reach out to people that currently work there. So you can reach out to a peer, and that way you can learn more about the like the role that you're getting into and hear firsthand what's their experience, what's their day-to-day -day like, what do they love about the role, what do they not like, what are the challenges. You can also reach out to the hiring manager or the HR team and you can you can ask to set up a, a call to do ask a couple questions before the interview. Oh, thank you. Like, you know, these are some great advice. So, and also like, you know, what are some basic interview etiquettes? Like what should you take to the interview physically and mentally? And how should you dress for the occasion? Like do women wear makeup or no makeup? And for men, like, do they wear a tie and a suit or how formal do you suggest that they dress up? Great question. 
So what should you take to an interview? So it's a little bit different if it's going to be in person versus online, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about in person just as if it was, you know, COVID wasn't going on more traditional. In person, bring a notepad. Don't bring a laptop or a phone. Have a real notepad, notepad book. When they give you information, you should write notes. It shows you're listening. It shows you're organized. You're prepared. You're professional. And you're actually taking notes. That's already something that's going to make you stand out. Bring a water bottle if you need some water. You you really don't need to bring a printed copy of your resume anymore. Like people don't have printers and it's really not necessary. But if you do want to want to bring one, that's a good thing to have. You want, you know, you want your the job description and your notes just so you could prepare the, you know, for the last 20, 30 minutes before it starts. Now, what should you wear? So it really depends on the industry and the role and the actual organization itself. A good tip is over to be overdressed is always better than being underdressed. So, for example, Shuba and I worked at this tech startup. There was no dress code. Nothing was ever enforced. Honestly, people people dress way more casual than I think was professional or appropriate. Uh, but that was the company's organizational vibe and culture. So in that case, let's say you're going to an interview in that situation. You don't want to dress like an employee. You're not an employee yet. You want to impress them. You want to be dressed professionally. So dress like business casual, but you also don't want to be too formal. You don't want to show up as if you're going to an interview at a bank. You're not going to an interview at a bank. You're going to an interview at a tech startup. Uh, Women wearing makeup or no makeup. You want to dress to make yourself feel good, make yourself feel comfortable and make yourself feel confident. So for me, I feel most confident when I've done my hair. So when I show up to an interview, I'm going to make sure, you know, I've done my hair the night before or the morning of. That makes me feel confident. I don't I don't like wearing too much makeup, so I I would wear again what I feel comfortable with and I, what I feel confident with. Uh there's no yes or no answer to this. I think you should show up in what you feel comfortable in and what you feel confident in. I would really avoid for women, like really avoid short skirts, short dresses, short shorts, avoid anything that shows cleavage. You know, you do want to be professional. Skirts and dresses should really be like just above the knee, if not longer. If you ever have questions about the outfit and what you're wearing, again, call me, message me. I'm happy to help you out with this, but it depends. It really depends on the organization. You want to dress for the actual organization that you're interviewing for. Gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of like a feel out the situation, do your research ahead of time, and then go with what you think is appropriate while also making you feel comfortable and confident. And moving on to like the actual interview process. So again, I'm just going to kind of like ask you these like all together. So like, you know how like right in the beginning of the interview, they ask you like, oh, okay, thanks for coming. Could you like just run me through like, uh, like tell me about yourself, tell me about where you worked and like that type of, you know, that general introduce yourself to me question. What are the best, most concise way to answer that without like beating around the bush? Also, if they ask you a question that you're not familiar with or that you actually don't have an answer for, how do you respond to those type of questions? Okay, great. So let's start with the first question that a lot of employers ask, which is tell me about yourself or it could be walk me through your resume. So one of the absolute best interview tips I have, it's a public speaking tip. It's I call it the rule of three. Every single time anyone asks you any question, whether it's a stranger or a friend or your boss, you can always use the rule of three. Basically just want to have three things, three statements, three things, three points three answers. And the purpose of that is it's an easy way to structure your answers and prep. It's an easy way for you to remember your answers. All you got to do is remember three things. You don't have to remember a whole big paragraph. And it's easy for you to deliver. And it's easy for the person listening to understand the rule of three. It's a public speaking tip. So for example, if someone goes, tell me about yourself. Most people will ramble on for five minutes. And as the interviewer, I'm like, well, that's great. You said all of these things and there was a lot of good stuff, but I can't remember it all. There was so much. 
And I don't like, I don't know. You said all these different things. So you want to be clear. You want to be concise and you want to be structured. This is a, a template you can use. So your first point would be something like personal and unique. So born and raised in Toronto. Uh, you know, I went to, I studied business. I specialized in entrepreneurship at Western University. And I've spent the past 10 years of my life and my career working in East Africa, the Caribbean, and North America with, you know, nonprofit, social enterprise, et cetera. So I can tell something unique about myself. I could talk about where I was born and raised. I could talk about how I have been involved in philanthropy and nonprofit and social impact work my whole life. I could talk about my values, but something unique about yourself. This is actually a great opportunity if you're a woman of color, being a proud feminist, uh, you could talk about like a unique experience. Like I, I work with a lot of clients from India. So like you could tell a personal story. I was born and raised in India, India and was brought up and my childhood was like this. And that brought me to where I am today. And now I'm building my career in Canada. So you can tell like a little bit of a unique personal story because remember, no one has the same story that you have. So that would be point number one. Point number two, just give your background and experience in a nutshell. Okay, don't go into details because they'll ask you about that later. For example, I would say I have over 10 years of experience working in nonprofit, social enterprise, international development, and tech sales. My most recent biggest accomplishment was I was the top sales rep at a fast-growing tech startup, and I also successfully launched my own business two years ago. Okay, so I've given 10 years of experience. I've given the industries and spaces I've worked, and I've given two highlights. Okay, your third point, relate it back to them. So be like my career goal, my career purpose, my passions are to work for, you know, a fast growing tech startup and um, in the education space or a fast growing tech startup that is making an impact in the world. And this is why I want to work for your company. Okay, now the next question, if they ask you a question you're not familiar with, how can you best respond to it? First of all, if you're not prepared you can always take like 30 seconds. So you could say, can I have a, can I have 30 seconds to think about this? They'll say yes. Try to take 30 seconds to come up with an answer. Alternatively, the last interview I had with the company Shuba and I worked at, I, they had asked me a question. They said, Amanda, can you tell us about a time where you failed? Like, what did you learn from that? Or can you tell us about a time you failed, a failure, et cetera? And I didn't really have a good example off the top of my head. So I asked, can we come back to this question at the end? Okay, so that bought me some more time. We came, we came back to the question at the end. To Again, an, an easy way to think on your feet is if they ask you a question and you don't know how to answer it, use the rule of three. Just come up with three points. That's also a good way to answer any question you haven't prepared for. Okay, gotcha. No, that, that's a good one. The, can we also come back to this question? That's a good way to buy time so yeah. that you give them a proper coherent answer. <laughs> your structure to answer like describe yourself I think it's very like easy and straightforward to follow so yeah we really appreciate it points, yeah. yeah I thought that was really handy um and then you know transitioning to the end of the interview after your interview or towards the end like you know what are the kinds of questions you should be asking and what are good practices to follow like once you leave the interview you know and like suppose you do or don't get the job offer like what steps should you do to react to both situations Awesome. Okay, great. And also one other general interview tip is everything again should always be customized to that company in that role. So use the language on their website, use the language in their job description. If they say what are the top, what are the skills and strengths you have to bring to this role, make sure you pick three skills and strengths directly from their job description. Mm -hmm. So remember, it's like they're giving you the answers to the test. Okay, yeah. at the end of the interview, what kinds of questions so should you ask before we get into that what some employers do at the end of the interview is they say okay Shuba those are all the questions we have for you do you have anything else you want to share about yourself your answer should always be yes your answer should always be yes of course I want to share more about myself okay now two ways you can answer that question you say yes you either say something you prepared for that they didn't ask you so maybe you pre prepared, uh, what, tell us about a time you failed, what did you learn? And they didn't ask you that, share that. Be like, I actually prepared this 
question with my career coach and I wanted to share it with you uh, just because I think it's a really valuable component of who I am as a professional. And then you share it. The other way to answer that question is if, if, if you're like, you know what, I think I have touched on everything. And they're like, do you have anything else you want to share? Just repeat why you're so passionate about this opportunity and why you're the best fit for this role. So I would say something like, just wanted to say again, thank you so much. I'm so passionate about this opportunity. This is perfectly aligned with my career goals and my background, my experience. It's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm so excited to join your team. And I just want to reiterate that I know that my exceptional people skills, my previous experience in sales, and my ability to hustle and be successful in everything that I do is going to make me the best candidate for this role. Dang, what Love a mic that. drop. I know. <laughs> uh, fortunately, now I've been doing interviews for 10 years. I can impromptu, but, you know. Uh, okay, so what qu- kinds of questions should you ask? So I want you to put it this way. So I would recommend three questions. Ask three questions. And what I want you to do is put yourself in the mindset of, I have two or three job offers on the table. What questions do I want to ask this company to make sure that they're the best fit for me? Okay. Yeah. So when you go into an interview and when you're job searching, you want to have the mindset of, I am a really valuable employee. I am a really valuable professional. I have a ton of skills. I have all this great this great educational background, all this volunteering experience, all this travel experience. I got, you know, I'm a hustler. I've got this little podcast I started up, right? You want to be like, I am an incredibly valuable employee and professional. I can go anywhere. I'm going to be picky about my next career move. And I'm going to make sure that this company, this organization is good enough for me. Okay. That's the mindset you want to practice. So when you get to the end of the interview and you're asking them questions, what are the three important questions for you? If you had two offers on the table, what are the three things you want to know to make sure they're good enough for you? Now, what I would also recommend is when you ask a question, actually preface it with the reason you're asking. So for example, instead of me just asking what are the growth opportunities, I would preface it by saying, I'm a really ambitious and hardworking professional that loves to constantly challenge myself and am eager to grow. What growth opportunities do you have within your organization? The one question I would not ask in a first round interview is anything to do with salary and benefits. I find that when people ask me this question when I'm interviewing, it it makes me feel like they only care about money and they only care about benefits. So do not ask that question in the first round interview. You can definitely ask that in the second round or the third round, especially if they haven't transparently shared salary with you. That is a very basic thing that the employer should be doing to begin with. So uh, you can ask that, but don't ask it in a first round. Finally, I I do want to share if they ask you about salary goals and expectations, it's really important that you do have a number and that you do have an answer. This is something that you can work on with a career coach or a mentor. So if I were going through the job search and someone asked me, Amanda, what are your salary expectations? I would respond with a question and I would say, what is your budget for this role? The reason I ask that is because they they already have a budget. They they have a budget for the role. They know exactly how much they budgeted and I want to know their answer first. Okay? Companies should be transparently sharing their budget. Okay? If for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable asking them that question, you could say you could share your salary goal and then you can ask What's your budget for this role? Regardless, if the employer is asking you your salary goals and expectations, they should be transparently sharing their budget. I recommend as a good rule of thumb, take your last job and your last salary and increase it by 20K. Okay, you always want to go higher because again, especially for female professionals, we already tend to undervalue and undersell and underprice ourselves. So go high. Giving a range is also a pretty good idea. now, let's say your, your range is, I'm going for 65 to 75, and they say we've budgeted 50, okay? So they're not, they're, not, they're not close to your expectations and your goals. That's when you can say, I'm really passionate about this opportunity. I'm, I'm open. I would, I'm excited and enthusiastic to move forward, given your budget, and I am more than happy to engage in an open conversation around salary, okay? 
You can also say something like, I need to talk to my career coach and get back to you. Okay, if you ever get stuck on any question, just say, I need to talk to a career coach and get back to you. From experience, like I have been extremely like nervous to negotiate. And but I feel like now, like the more you do it and the more interviews you have and the more opportunities there are where this question of like compensation or salary is comes up, like I I am getting a bit more confident with it. But what do you have to say to like women and young women in particular who are afraid to negotiate where like understandable if we don't want to talk about it in the first round which is like extremely fair yes we're we don't want to come off as like money hunger or anything but what about like after round three or like even if like what about when there has been an offer we're very much in a position where we're like okay okay I got the offer that's more than enough I don't want to come off as like I'm in it for the money so we're too nervous to like even ask for more when an offer has been made what do you have to say for those of us who are nervous to like even talk about money in general okay so first thing to note is that again negotiation is a standard professional thing to do that we should be engaging in a hundred percent of the time negotiation is not like i'm greedy and i want more money and i only care about money no negotiation is I know my worth, I know my value, I know that women are statistically underpaid, I know that women of color are statistically underpaid and discriminated against, and I'm gonna need to speak up for myself and my value and my worth. And then you meet somewhere in the middle where two, where both parties are happy. So negotiation is about, they've offered you one thing, you know your value and your worth is this, and you're meeting somewhere in the middle where both people are happy. The employer should expect you to negotiate. Negotiate is a standard professional thing. They should expect you to negotiate and they should engage in negotiation. If they do not engage in the negotiation process, that's another red flag. You don't wanna work for them because if a year from now you ask for a promotion, it's probably not gonna go well. Why one of the reasons we are statistically underpaid as women is because we don't negotiate. So in order to not be a statistic, we need to start standing up for ourselves and asking, okay? This is a great opportunity when you want to hire a career coach or a lawyer because your results, how much you get in terms of paid vacation, benefits, flexibility, salary, etc. Your results are likely going to be a lot higher if you work with a coach or a lawyer. Now, don't get into negotiation until you have the offer and the contract in your hand. Be confident, be bold, go above and beyond and get the offer. Once you have the offer and you have the contract, then you negotiate. Companies and employers should be giving you enough time to review the contract with a lawyer or a career coach. If they don't, then you ask for more time. I worked in the nonprofit world. I was literally underpaid my entire career. I do not want that to happen to women anymore. I undersold myself. I underpriced myself. I had limiting beliefs around money. I was like, I'm not a greedy person. I never negotiated and that was a big mistake. And now I'm not in the financial position that I should be or that I wish I was in. You you can negotiate for anything. It's not just salary. You can negotiate for title, start date, benefits, vacation, uh, health and fitness budget, uh, laptop technology, any type of equipment like marketing professionals. You can negotiate for like a camera or like software that you need to use. So there's lots of things you can negotiate for. It's not just salary. And yeah. I usually recommend pick your top three things you want to negotiate for. So, for example, maybe it's salary, vacation weeks, and a new laptop, okay? Those are the three things that are most important for you right now. Focus on those three asks and those three key things. Every time you make an ask, you need to, you need to back it up with reasons. So, you know, you, you always want to focus on your value. So your value, your years of experience, past results, skills and strengths, et cetera. You can also, like if you're negotiating for more money, salary, another good thing to do is you can also use the, uh, you know, women, women of color, we're statistically underpaid. I want to ensure that I am doing the professional thing and engaging in the negotiation process. And then maybe your third reason is, your personal financial goals. So sharing information about your personal goals and how more money will help you is actually a great negotiation strategy. So for me, I would say something like uh, the reason I'm asking for, you know, this increased um, or this salary amount is for these reasons. Also, to be totally transparent, I, you know, I'm a single female. I live on my own in Toronto. I'm a single income household. I pay my own bills. I have debt to pay off. 
I also have three students in Kenya that I support financially. This is why salary is super important to me. If you can share a personal reason why that salary increase is important to you and how that's going to benefit you, that's a great negotiation tactic and strategy, while also being empathetic and understanding and meeting somewhere in the middle. Thank you so much for breaking down everything for us, including like how the interview process works and what we should do. And then also like, you know, touching upon how women and careers are affected and what things and steps we can take to, you know, better ensure that we're treated equally, basically. So thank you. Um, your advice and tips are very useful, especially for the younger population entering the workforce. And as a student, like, I never had a class in college or school teaching me how to navigate a workplace. So it just really helps to, um, you know, hear from you because I have, I had all these questions and was nervous to ask and I didn't even know who to ask. So yeah, we really appreciate you for sharing your knowledge and tips with us today. So thank you, Amanda. So fun. I love it. This is my passion. This is my purpose. And you know, like I, you know, I graduated in 2010. So I'm 10 years into my career and it, you know, find, figuring out what you're passionate about, what your purpose is, where, you know, where you'll be two years, five years, 10 years from now, like you're not, you're not going to know exactly what you want to do, uh, but that will constantly evolve and you'll figure out what you really like, what you really love, what you're really passionate about, what you're really good at, and you'll continue to move in that direction. No, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you again. And we usually have a question session after like our interview but since we've already asked you a million questions already we're just going to end with one short and sweet question if you had 25 hours in a day how would you use your extra time or your extra hour sleeping is one of my greatest skills and strengths otherwise I would spend it probably relaxing like outside in a park no, I love it. I would I do the same that. thing. No, same. We're going to finish off with a quote just to wrap up this entire episode. And we'd love for our special guest, Amanda, to do the honors of reading the quote of the day. Sure. And I think to preface this quote, I would say that failure is the key to success. The more times you can fail, the more successful you will be in life. And if you look at the most successful people in the world, why were they so successful? Because they took so many risks and failed so many times. So failure is a good thing, and that's how we become successful. This is Michael Jordan quote, and the quote is, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Love it. No, love that's it. awesome. Thank yeah. you. So again, yeah, thank you for joining us, Amanda. You can follow Amanda on Instagram at Amanda Sarah A. And you can also follow her company, Coaching on Instagram. Be sure to check out her page on LinkedIn. She posts a bunch of amazing resources that'll be super, super helpful. And we'll leave a tag to everything related to Amanda on our page as well. On that note, just as this brings us to the end of the episode, we are very happy and proud to say that this is our 20th episode and it has brought us to the end of our first season. Woo! So this is a wrap on season one, folks. Thanks for all the support, love, and enthusiasm you have shown for us in our podcast. Shiba and I would like to take a moment to reflect on this moment. Say my favorite part about this podcast. I mean, aside from spending time with my best friend, I feel like that's a given. So like aside from that, creating content and like just having it out there to share people would be the best part, in my opinion. This is the first thing that I have like created and been consistent with you know so much that now we can say we have 20 episodes so that's like I think the best feeling um the most challenging part I would say is trying to build a following or like trying to build our fan following um editing was hard I mean like editing was tedious I wouldn't say it was challenging because it's like you learn it very quickly and you're able to do it it's just like long so it's tedious it's not challenging but i would say the building of following and you know continuously trying to have engagement i'd say that's the hardest part 
What about you? So my favorite part about podcasting was, of course, spending time with my bestie, Shoba. It's definitely been an honor and privilege and, of course, a sexy ball of fun working with you. Um, we've definitely overcome many obstacles together, my personal being editing our episodes. Man, that takes forever, guys. <laughs> but, um, yes, it means the world to me that I got to work with Shoba and connect with a worldwide audience. So thank you, everyone, for giving us your time, support, and plenty of love and I also want to take a moment to say that I'm stepping down from my role as co-host I know I'm very sad about (laughs) that but I have a lot going on right now so I hope you guys understand I will miss you all tremendously and but my amazing Shoba is gonna keep this baby running and I'm gonna support her and hope you all do too so we'll also be leaving a link to a feedback survey on our social media so you can give us some feedback tell us your thoughts about our content give us your suggestions remember to hit that follow button on spotify follow us on instagram at underscore keep it spicy and on twitter at keep it spicy pod let us know if everything we talked about in this episode was helpful hit us with any more questions you have or what you would like us to go in more depth for the next time and you can do that on our socials or through our feedback survey so like our post comment and of course share our content and podcast with friends and family so on that note wrapping up season one episode 20 remember folks keep it spicy yours truly xx